this is a World Cup that just keeps on delivering. And admit, it's a World Cup that is slowly but surely careening off the rails of what we thought we knew about football. Am I sensing some after dark coming into this World Cup? I think so. A lot of good teams have been upset so far. Argentina. Today. Germany. That's it. That's really Canada. It. <laughs> no, <laughs> I missed the timing of that one. That's okay. Uh, no, it's been really fun. A lot of uh, good performances haven't led to good results. Uh, we've gotten a lot of good soccer, which is what both of, uh, both of us hope for. Uh, it's getting there. And uh, it's also setting up for some good... Day twos, day threes is tasty. It's yeah. tasty. It's also coming thick and fast. There were four more games today. There's four more games tomorrow. I got to say, the four game days is one game too many. I'm much more for a World Cup that is a three day, three. Wow, those words are hard to get out. As you can tell, the brain not exactly functioning. I'm much more for a World Cup that's three games a day. You can digest it a little bit better than these four games a day. Yeah, it's eight hours of time on the field. Um, and you know, like eight and a half now that we're getting so much stoppage time. Right. It's, uh, it's a lot. It's hard to, no, no sane person. No one even can stay locked in for every minute of every, all four games. That's not really possible. You can do your best. Uh, then your brain will, will mush. Yeah. Lucky for these listeners, we are mush brained and we are not sane. So welcome to the world (laughs) cup after dark podcast. I'm Austin Miller. He's a bit Malik, and admit, let's start with another one of those surprising results. And it wasn't just surprising, this was satisfying. It was good to see Japan rewarded for attacking the game in the second half. It was good to see Germany punished for not finishing in the first half. And I stood up and yelled the Japan on the second Japan goal. I was pretty pumped that that thing went in, and then they saw this game out. Japan 2, Germany 1. And just like that, the Germans find themselves in the exact same position they were four years ago, lost their first match, and a massive second game coming up for them. Yeah, it's it was a really, really fun game. Uh, I think going in, we both thought Germany was better, but we did both think that Japan had a chance in this game, had a chance in this group, liked their squad, liked the way they played, uh, and it kind of came to fruition, I think. Really, what it comes down to a few spots, and that first of all, Germany really had their chances, and they didn't put them away. Yep, they were dominant. Uh, I think in playing the way they wanted, imposing their style on Japan, um, limiting Japan's counterattacks. Japan wanted to press, but because of the way Germany controlled the ball, they couldn't do it in the spot they wanted. They really had to defend out of a low block, and then in the second half. Japan withstood it. Germany had a few more chances, some really big saves from Japan's keeper, and then credit to them for getting after the game, bringing on positive subs. Yeah. And the second goal, I think Neuer made a mistake. Mm-hmm. He probably shouldn't be beaten near post, high post uh, from that angle. And Schlotterbeck turned off. Really good goal from Asano. Full... Full credit, Japan. This was an awesome World Cup win that goes down in in all the World Cups. And for this yeah. one, has changed the tournament. Uh, I want to get back to Manuel Neuer in a second. But the first point I kind of had here, this was kind of eerily similar to the Argentina match, right? Like, Japan's significantly more talented and attacked the game way more than Saudi Arabia did. 
but a first half game plan from the underdog that did not work, but they managed to get into halftime at one nil made adjustments and particularly for Japan made really positive, successful changes and took over the game in the second half and punished the favorite for not putting away an underdog. And I think that is a good thing for this tournament. You want favorites to have to continue to attack matches because it opens up possibilities for underdogs. And Japan did a really good job of taking advantage of that, I thought, in this second half. And as you said, the changes were positive and they worked. And that's a really good thing. Yeah, I I think it's pretty similar. Obviously, Japan had more talent uh, on paper than Saudi Arabia. But Germany were just as wasteful as Argentina, if not more. And, And listen, we were worried for Germany coming in about their lack of a striker. And so they started this game with Kai Havertz, who's a kind of a striker attacking midfielder hybrid, and Thomas Mueller, who is similar. Mueller was drifted more out wide. Uh, And they put on strikers later in the game, but I don't think it was the lack of a striker that cost them. It was just overall their their lack of finishing. And and Musiala was really good for Germany uh, in this game. Um, He was excellent, but they just... They couldn't, they couldn't do it. And I also think for Japan, were they a little lucky to get to the 60, 70th minute down one? Yeah. Sure. But once, once they started clawing in, they were the, they were the better team, I think. Yeah. And they were deserving of, of both of their goals. They were deserving enough of this win. Manuel Neuer, dude, you can't make yourself smaller. Like, mm. honestly, I kind of understand what he was going for here because I think he was worried that if he went high with his arms, he would have left space low, and that's where Asano would have finished. But you just you can't get beat at your near post in that situation, and it's certainly not a good image when you go down with your elbows plastered to your torso and your body as small as you can make it, and you get beat high. It's just not good, and it's not good play, and he might be washed. There, I said it. <laughs> oh, I like Manuel Neuer. He's a good goalkeeper. Um, he's definitely. I do not. I find him annoying. Some, he's had high-profile mistakes over the years, um, but to be this good for this long, I really like him. And obviously, he he revolutionized the game a little bit in terms of his sweeper keeper. But yeah, on the goal, I think he. You know, you think in that moment the guy's gonna go far post. That's normally right. what you do in that angle. But it was so tight that he couldn't, and he knew it. And Neuer has to. You know, we're neither of us are goalkeeping experts, but I agree you can't get beat to the near post there. Uh, you, and I think all of Germany my, my one season of intramural goalkeeping experience. Is that what I'm hearing here? Perhaps, perhaps I don't know. I I, uh, I played a a spring of uh, high school house intramural soccer, and because I played on the uh, because and I like, played on the on the team in the fall, I had to play goalkeeper and intramural soccer and it didn't go well i mean i wasn't very good yeah. one time it was really windy and someone punted the ball over oh. my head oh. from their own box that was really mm. embarrassing mm. Mm. Um, the martin stadium the famous yeah, so, martin stadium on the shores of lake michigan at north yeah, so don't listen to my goalkeeping opinions i guess and, yours become more uh, they do not <laughs> they most assuredly do not um <laughs> I, like I said, I find Neuer annoying, but it's just because it's obnoxious when like a really good through ball is played. And you're like, oh, he's in. And then the dude in fluorescent yellow or whatever just comes flying out of his, his goal, you know, out of the box and, and clears it away. But look, he's a really good goalkeeper, revolution at the game, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Um, 
Germany are in trouble, right? Totally. The the Spain has three. Japan have three. That's two teams with more than them. And now they have to play the best team in the group that's not them and a team that put in the most impressive performance of the opening round so far. So they were really hoping they'd have to get into this game and play for a point and or just play free. But now they need a result. If they yeah. lose, they are pretty much done, I think, yeah. right? If Japan get a point and they lose, right, is that it? Yeah, that would be it. If Japan and get a result. Costa Rica's odds of getting a result against Japan are really low. Yeah. So it's must win for Germany. And they, they're certainly in it. They're certainly in it, of course. But here it is. This is your World Cup on the line on day two of the tournament for you. I think the answer is pretty obvious here. Who is in more trouble after their surprising result, Germany or Argentina? Yeah, it's, it's obviously Germany because Germany have to play Spain. Argentina get... Mexico and Poland, who are two solid teams, but neither of them are as good as Spain. Argentina will definitely be favored. Um, I think before we saw this game, I think Spain-Germany would have been pretty close to a wash in predict in predicting who would win. Yeah. Um, maybe the odds would tell you Spain slightly. I don't, I don't know. It depends what you like. But clearly now, I think Spain are favored. Um, so it's... Yeah. Spain are also going to be very annoying to play against because when they want to they've shown they can keep the ball without having to go towards goal they could just do it and both of these teams are going to have their attacking moments but also be forced to defend and we know defending makes germany uncomfortable we'll see with spain they were not asked to do a lot i think so let's let's touch quickly on the spain game while we're here there's not a whole lot to break down yeah i mean spain seven costa rica nil Costa Rica might have a moment at this tournament. Today was certainly not it. They were out of the game pretty quickly, and they never really gave anything to, to talk about or to to make point of here. Uh, Luis Enrique, I admit, your dude, your man, Galaxy Brain in the first game of the World Cup, and it worked! Yeah, he left his striker on the bench. He put out Cesar Espilicueta. got that one at right back. And uh, listen, it was because apparently uh, some dudes got got cold they got the cold perhaps a cold uh air conditioning in the qatar hotels maybe getting them a little sick uh how about that but um no it was really good weird lineup we saw the lineup and we're like what's he doing there's no striker it was marco asensio it was danny olmo and it didn't matter because yeah, spain just matter. it didn't matter and i think that's about as much analysis as you can have of the game spain didn't start a striker and they were just that good uh Credit to them for getting on it early, for putting the second goal, and then just having a stroll through a training exercise of knocking the ball around the field. They looked really good. They looked really sharp. Uh, obviously, uh, I think everyone can see the qualities that we like, that I really like in this team. But yeah. the and the questions about this team were not asked by Costa Rica. So yeah, I mean, that's look. why you can't take too much into this in terms of Spain's long-term prospects Costa Rica did not attempt a shot in this match they became the second team ever to do that at the World Cup you know who the other team was is it recent in the past four years it's four? also Costa Rica oh no <laughs> the only team to have never attempted a shot in a World Cup match or well no that's not right they have attempted shots in World Cup match they scored yeah. goals in World Cup matches they're the only <laughs> team to have a match at the World Cup where they did yeah. not attempt a shot four games in a day brains turned to mush Spain are in the driver's seat in this group and I think 
this Spanish team will almost kind of relish the opportunity yes. of 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 burying Germany here, right? Totally. It's one thing where you could say if this game was the last one or if it didn't mean as much, they'd be like, all right, let's go out and play. We're going to play our game, but we're not trying to get beat. But that's not the case with Spain because of their identity, because of Luis Enrique. Uh, I think it'd be a massive statement to knock Germany out. Uh, I wouldn't say they're like quote unquote rivals, but they're two European powerhouses. Of course they want to be better than the other. And uh, yeah, it'd be, it'd be really fun. It'd be really good content. If you're a good European, if you're a good team in this tournament, you want as few other good teams in this tournament, right? And so if you have the opportunity to eliminate what is a good team, you have to take it. And Spain have that opportunity. And I think it makes Sunday a really fascinating encounter and is one of those group stage matches. It was can't miss before the World Cup, and now it's just ratcheted up even more because we're not playing for first and second in the group. We're playing for staying in the World Cup in the case of Germany. Yeah, I, I do think this is probably one of the best World Cup group stage games on paper with meaning. Like before, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, we'll see how it goes, but like I can't imagine higher stakes in a group stage between two really good teams. Of course, there's high stakes group stage games at every World Cup, but usually not like this. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's move to the other group we saw today, Amit. And we'll start with another pretty decent nil nil match Croatia, Morocco. Apparently not decent enough to keep you awake for all 90 minutes, but I will 100% give you a pass considering the 4 a.m. kickoff. This was a good game that kind of petered out at the end because it felt like both teams were willing to go for the win, but it got to a point where they were both pretty content to sit for the point. Yeah, as you mentioned, I obviously could not make it for the the, the back half of the second half, but I'm willing, to, I'm willing to own up to it. It was tough, but listen, I think Morocco are as good, if not a little better than we thought. I think Croatia are about what we thought. Their midfield yep. is still very good. Their front Luka line Modric is... is insane. He had yeah. moments in this game <laughs> where it's, it almost reminded you of like those moments when Messi was just the only thing Argentina had. And he's just dropping back between the center backs to get the ball because it's like, yeah, I'm just going to take the ball. And that's what I'm going to do. I thought Morocco were really good off the ball in this game. And I also thought they had some pretty bad on the ball moments. Like, there were passing sequences that just didn't line up. There were passes that just went to nowhere. And I think that hindered them in this game. But I thought they were really good at making Croatia uncomfortable when they didn't have the ball. And this was a positive performance from them. Yeah, I would. I was going to agree with that sentiment. Their organization and structure and the way they don't let the other team they're playing uh, get into their system offensively. And specifically, they didn't let Croatia kind of dictate it had to be chaotic. And look, you know, when there's chaos, Croatia's midfielders are going to pick up the ball and make good passes. But they, they, I think at the end, Morocco had to make a few desperate defensive plays to keep yep. the, the point. You probably say, you know, maybe maybe on balance, Croatia deserved the, point, uh, the three points a little bit more. But no, good performance and to not lose in the first game. This is what we've seen with all the all three of the zero zeros. You know, I think both teams walk away fine. Um and look, this this group is really challenging, and that's what yeah. makes the last result we'll get to hurt a little more for the loser of it. But both both teams got to feel feel good about it. I appreciate your tease there. You know, the last result that we'll get to, as though like there's people listening to our podcast that like didn't want didn't watch the game. They don't want you to spoil the result, and so they're like, 
<laughs> what's this last result that we have? Did Belgium win? Did Canada win? Like everybody knows Belgium won. Like we, we can talk. Yeah. Like we haven't broken down the game, but you, you can bring up the result. It's fine. Um, I just wanted to, to yeah, tease tease talking about it. Yeah, of course. Ziyech and Akimi is really fun together, and it's pretty cool when your best attacking player is a fullback because it just makes you play in a really interesting way that lends to games being opened up. And I think with what we saw from both Canada and Belgium, this group coming in was one of the groups we were most looking forward to. And that did not change on the first match day, even though we only saw one goal combined between these teams. I think the prospect of Morocco attacking both of those teams in that style, I think makes for a couple of really good games coming up as well. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think the other, another talking point on this is that uh, Croatia's front line, which which is experienced, but the yeah. best chance of the game fell to Vlasic. It was that cross, and he turned it in just a little bit. Uh, good save in the end from uh, Morocco's keeper, but I, I do agree with you. I see what you've put here in that the lack of finishing is a problem for some of these teams. Yeah, um, It hurt Canada in yeah. the game that they lost. No, no tease there. There we go. There we go. <laughs> uh, it hurt... Uh, it, <laughs> It hurt Germany, right? Their right. lack of finishing. Um, it hurt Argentina. Now, Argentina, I think, will be fine. We we, we think. Yeah. Um, we think. And, and it will hurt Croatia. Like, they have a great midfield trio, but, like, someone has to put them in. And in past World Cups, um, they've gotten a little bit lucky with penalties and mm-hmm. Luka Modric scoring worldies. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of crazy what I mean, he like, did. I'm down it. if that's what's going to happen yeah, again. No, because... That's what it takes. Like, yeah, worldies sure. is good. We haven't seen a, a ton of worldies yet. I mean, the the Saudi Arabia one, the yep. winner was the tr- truly the only one so far that was a dope goal in that Spain game. game. The uh, outside of the foot, take yeah, first of- first touch from Gavi, and yeah. Listen, I think the Enter Valencia header was was pretty darn good and a pretty yeah. low chance. But in terms of like a true like have a hit and then this yeah. totally changed the tenor of the game, we haven't seen that yet. But yeah, I think. Not, not too much to add on it. Um, I mean, if there's anything you want to add, I think, you know, both these teams are good and I, I like Croatia to get through, but they're going to be put through their paces, obviously against Canada. And then Belgium, Croatia will be interesting. Very interesting. Um, I think the experience is like this in a lot of countries watching the world cup and probably even more so in countries that don't make the world cup. But this match had an Argentine referee, Fernando Rapolini, and I woke up and, you know, I just put the match on on the TV here. Uh, and the amount of focus that was placed on a truly mediocre Argentine ref who has had terrible moments in the Argentine league, Bien Cobrado. Ah, I got that one right. Bien Cobrado. <laughs> he's done a really good job managing the game with some of the points made at times. Like, come on, he's a referee. Who cares? We're not here to watch the referee. What happens when uh, Mexico if they beat Argentina on Sunday, they're like, wow, that Tata guy, where'd he yeah, learn? Yeah, football? there you go. Yeah, does, it extend, does it extend to managers beating your country because they're from your country? That's a good point. I like that. I'll let you know. I'll report back on Saturday. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Belgium, Canada. Amit, the result that everybody knows, Belgium won, Canada nil. This is another one of those classic World Cup results that just makes you mad. Belgium had no business winning this game. They won it because Canada missed an early penalty through Alfonso Davies. Belgium took their one chance that they created from their old slow center backs and Canada wasted every single chance that they got. And the ones that they didn't waste, Thibaut Courtois made the save. Yeah. I mean, that that's how the game went. I think this was totally against, 
if you if you watch this game and you didn't know the names of the teams and you didn't know the yep. rankings of the teams, you would think Canada was the much better team. Uh, you would think they were a top ten team in the world, maybe number two, not number two in the world, but you'd think Canada was pretty yep. good, and you'd be like, "Man, this Belgium team is pretty old and slow and vulnerable." How but are they? They have How a one really good player in Kevin De Bruyne. Like, there's a lot yeah, of underdogs who are built that way. Yeah, and the performance was an underdog performance, right? Yeah. They withstood a barrage from Canada in the opening. They even gave up a pen, but had a heroic goalkeeping. And then, like you said, opportunistic chance. And I think one of the issues with Belgium in this game is that you looked at their squad and you're like, well, where's the quality here? And you're like, yeah. they have a goalkeeper and they have a midfielder. But listen, on that play... Uh, Bachui looked like a world-class number yep. nine. Did he do anything the rest of the game that convinced you that? No, he was nope. actually pretty bad. Uh, De Bruyne Doesn't passed have to, it. though. Scored the goal. De Bru- yeah. De Bruyne passed it to him every time and, like, got visibly frustrated that his touch was so bad. But, uh, listen, that's a, it, was, it was a good goal. Um, it's unfortunate that Canada, a pretty high defensively-minded team, high line, they, they gave too much time to the center backs, and Toby Alderweireld, he... He has enough to, if you don't pressure him, he's going to hit a good ball. And it it was really frustrating uh, for yeah. Canada. And they they could be ruining this. Like, sure, you know, they're not out of this group. They've got a chance against both of the other teams, Croatia and Morocco. But they, when you dominate a game, you have to take your chances. That's just yeah. the story of international soccer, the story of World Cup soccer. And... I don't even want to like say they don't have a quality front line. Because no, because Davies they do. You look do. at like Davies, David Buchanan is a really good front line trio. Um, I've been wrong about a lot on this podcast. Iran are not going to the semifinals. Argentina might not win the World Cup. But I was right about my Canada comparison. I said Canada reminded me a lot of Peru. And this performance was almost a mirror image of what Peru did against Denmark in their first game four years ago. Missed a penalty, didn't give up hardly anything, gave up one chance, lost one nil. Yeah. Really great support. No, I right? like it's spot on. And so now the question is, can Canada bounce back from this? Because I think John Herdman is a really good manager. And from what he we've is. seen from him in CONCACAF, what we've seen from him in this tournament, he exploits weaknesses of the opposition really well. And I think he did that really well against Belgium today, right? Like they clearly had a game plan. And Herdman was not going to just sit back and try to hit them on the counter. They came out from step one to go after this game. And they went after it. And they created. And they had chances. And they had opportunities. They just didn't take it. They got a penalty. And they missed it. Oh, it's so frustrating. And I'm so sick of this Belgium team. Because Belgium is not good. It is so abundantly clear that they are not good. They have a world-class goalkeeper. They have one world-class player in their midfield, and they are missing their potentially world-class striker yeah. in Lukaku. Other than that, they are starting bums in the back line. They are starting <laughs> cones in the midfield. This is a bad team. They're starting a ghost in Eden Hazard. Like, this is a bad he was, team. He wasn't bad. Eden nah, Hazard was wasn't bad when he played, but... Yeah, he was fine. He was fine. Yeah. That was a little mean. Sorry, Eden Hazard. You're not a ghost yet, but you will be soon. But, like... <laughs> And now they're on three points in this group. And I think the one thing that kind of calms me down a little bit is that there's still a long way to go in this group. There's still two games. And what we said from the start is that this group felt like a group where anybody could take points off anybody. What we saw today reinforced that, right? Everybody in this group has an opportunity against anybody. 
Next time out, Canada, Croatia, that's going to be a great match. You know, Morocco are licking their lips, looking at how this Belgian team played today. Like, yeah, you let Hakimi and Ziyech loose against that back line. Somebody just please finish. Yeah, I. It's interesting with Belgium because Roberto Martinez is a very offensive-minded manager. His yep. instincts are to keep the game open. He wants his team to play in space, but it's it's a weird team to do that with because they play three center backs, which sure, you have an extra guy back there. You control the space, but they're all slow. They're vulnerable on the counter. And then you have less... You, you can't play Axel Witzel as a, a modern-day CDM. You just can't. Like, I'm sorry, like... Canada overran them, overran yeah. them. Like <laughs> it was like the Netherlands plan with worse attacking talent and worse defensive talent. And, it's, uh, but, but that being said, like, I almost wonder if like, they're going to like lull teams to sleep, not, not to sleep, but like, you're going to come play them and you're going to be like, look at all this space. We're going to attack you. We're going to attack you. And then, it, it, it's not pure counterattacking because they like the ball. They have good attacking talent, but like they just, they, they're, and they're weirdly set up to be an opportunistic team. And then if they just get the goal and scramble a little bit, it could help them. I, I'm totally down on their prospects uh, to get out of a quarterfinal match and they may, they might not get there, but I wonder if Martinez is like, changes his approach and is like, let's shut this down and be a counterattacking team because that but, might help them going forward. He's just never, he's never yeah. shown an inclination to do that, but they have a chance to like, that could, that could help them. All right. I am going to now read you the rest of the defenders in this Belgium squad. Oh, and no. this is a no judgment zone. I want you to tell me yes or no. If you have heard of any of these other defenders. All right. So we have Toby Alderweireld. Of course he yep. started today. Jan yeah. Vertonghen. Munier started today, right? Yeah, and uh, no, he came in, I think. Came in. All right, and then Castan, who started, yeah. who was a questionable as to know. Have you heard of Arthur Thiete, 22 years old at Rons? No, I have not. <laughs> Wout Faze, 24 years old, Leicester City. Nah. I, He's got one I, cap. I might have seen his name at Leicester, but I don't think he plays that much. 19-year-old Zeno DeBost at Anderlecht? No. Ring a bell? No. Like, this is what Belgium are dealing with. No, like, I know. You want to ask, like, oh, why are they playing all their viral Vertonghen, Munier, and Gasson? The because they have nobody the else. Because they still they have nothing else. Um, going forward, like we said, this group is now really interesting because Belgium have a head start but are not super great. Yeah. Croatia and Morocco have a point. They're doing okay. Canada have nothing to show for being really good. And I think that makes – what's coming in this group really interesting because again anybody can take points off anybody and the opportunities are going to be there for all four of these teams going forward still yeah i think it would really behoove croatia or morocco to get three off belgium yeah. but i worry that similarly they will dominate or be on balance and then not be able to finish because it I, I, we have evidence that it's going to take a very good finish to beat Thibaut Courtois. Like right. you could create a lot, but like if he's, if he's in that form, like not, none of those teams have a dynamite number nine. So like, yeah, it cannot even got gifted a penalty. Like that should have been it. Um, obviously Davies took a fine penalty. 
It was um, not good. It was fine. It wasn't good. It wasn't good, but it wasn't like terrible. But yeah, he could have done better. I was surprised. Like he's, I know he's your most important player and your best player, but like give it to your striker. Yeah, like, it, it was interesting. Davies is actually. I saw this on Twitter. Um, I saw this. Stat. He's only taken two penalties for Canada. Yeah, all time. Give and it David to Jonathan taken, David. Yeah. What are you doing? And I think but also. <laughs> Yeah, that's a penalty that has to be elevated. Like, you can't put it low because Courtois is so rangy and he's just so freaking large that he's going to yeah. get to it every single time, right? We haven't seen a penalty down uh, down the middle. Gundogan's for Germany uh, when they scored against Japan was middle-ish. But um, the keepers always dive. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true, but also you don't want to be the person who left your no, penalty oh, yeah. down the middle in a World Cup and the keeper doesn't dive. Bad looks. Oh, you don't want to be Chicharito tries a Panenka in the hundred or the ninetieth minute of a must-win game in the MLS and then has it saved. Bad look. It's true. Bad (laughs) look. Um, great, another great day of World Cup action tomorrow. Amit, it's Thanksgiving in the United States. Happy early Thanksgiving to you. The Lions play. The Cowboys play. There's a Vikings game and there's four World Cup games. Let's run through them really quick. Switzerland, Cameroon, potentially boring UEFA team, potentially chaotic African team. I wonder how this is going to go. It's probably going to end one nothing to the potentially boring UEFA team. Yeah, I think Switzerland are a little more interesting than your run-of-the-mill European team, but they're going to play very similarly. I think they're going to uh, try to use the ball, try to possess the ball, and not be too adventurous. Um, and I think Cameroon are going to play similarly to Senegal, to Tunisia, um, and two two different teams. But the point is, they're going to be up for it. They're going to try to disorganize um, Switzerland by being first to the ball. And Cameroon actually have a lot of talent in this team, but maybe not in the front line, maybe not like perfect quality so you are sleeping on stoke city legend eric maxim chupa moting my friend he he's he's a good he's 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 in form and he's a good striker i think the thing with him is he's a pretty classic number nine and he needs good service so if cameroon create chances he'll put one in but they he probably needs three or four yeah um uruguay south korea another good game tomorrow hashtag big first game I think we're all really interested to see what Uruguay have to offer. Is Sun Hung Min healthy for South Korea? Is he going to be able to play? Is he going to, what type of role is he going to be able to play? A lot of questions going into this one. I think it's probably the pick of the day for me tomorrow, this game. Yeah. One thing on Cameroon, I, I slept a little. They have three good strikers. I don't know if we'll see uh, multiple of them in the game. Vincent Abubakar and Toko Akambi are actually good players, as is Chupamoting, but... I'm not sure Cameron will create enough for them. Anyways, sorry. I just wanted to... It's fine. It's fine. You want to clean up. I understand. Yeah. I, I want to clean up. Uh, on Uruguay, South Korea, I think South Korea are, talent-wise, pretty severely lacking, except for Sun Hyun Ming. Sun yeah. Hyung Min. But he is that good, and he just changes their team uh, by how dynamic he is and how much space he creates, even if he himself is not doing the most with the ball. Um, I think he's going to play. Uh, do I know anything? Like, it just does seem like he will. Even if he's, like, 80%, that still helps them. Yep. Um, I think this is a really good opening game for Uruguay to roll it out. Let's see what they look like. I think we both 
are hoping they'll be a little bit more adventurous than yeah. Uruguay's have passed, and they should with their new manager. Um, let's see if they can get the right squad composition, um, and let's see if they can. They're going to surely dominate in the early stages with the ball. Let's see if they can turn to a goal. Let's see if they can turn into two, because this is a game that if you let South Korea hang around, Sun Sun Min could hurt you on the break. Thanksgiving brunch with Cristiano Ronaldo and Portugal against Ghana. Who says no? Me. I say no. You say no. Wow. Of course I'm going to watch. I need to watch Cristiano Ronaldo, the dumpster fire you can't look away from. But I will be... (laughs) I will just be upset if he scores. I will be. We know what's going to happen, man. It's the same thing that always happens. Tap in. Hands celebration. Penalty does the hand celebration again and a thunder bastard of a free kick from 40 yards out. Portugal and then three, he can go do his, then yeah. he can do his Sue celebration. Yeah. Then he yeah. can do that one. <laughs> Austin mimes pointing to the back of his yeah, jersey. Yeah, I know thumbs. it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an audio. It's an yeah. audio. Yeah. yeah. Not, uh, not listen, I, I think we both kind of like Ghana a little bit. Yeah. We're definitely I, influenced their result Ghana. over Switzerland. Yeah. But, um, certainly <laughs> higher on Ghana than I was 10 days ago. Right. Yeah, um, I think Ghana are better than uh man. No, they've they've been they've had a tough year. Maybe it's just one result. Yeah. But I look at their squad and they added recently new players yep. that totally changed their talent level. Yep, so that's sure. why like we like them. The thing is Portugal, you know, I think before the tournament I had them very similar to Belgium in terms of the right outside the top tier European contenders, yeah. but a contender in air quotes, uh, having seen Belgium, I, we should have been, I mean, we were, we were woke on Belgium's old defense, but we should have been more down on them despite the fact that they won. Portugal has less holes in the squad. Their yeah. biggest weakness is Ronaldo's like vibes. And then their manager being just like, I don't know, shackling his team, even though he, he can't even, they're that good. He can't really do that. And also not allowing his team to ever play without Ronaldo, which would probably benefit his team if Ronaldo yeah, did. Yeah, if have he to took play Ronaldo out of the lineup, yeah, game. which, yeah, um, yeah, I think it's it's uh, look, it's an interesting game because Portugal are the way that they are, and Ghana will provide a test. I don't think Ghana are necessarily built to try and just absorb pressure. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think of, Ghana will back off. Yeah, I don't I think, think that Ghana is a team that game. wants to or is built to bunker for a long stretch of time. So they're. Should be chances. We'll see. The last of the big favorites, Amit, will be the last team to debut at this World Cup. That's Brazil. They play Serbia. Which type of favorite are Brazil going to be? Are they going to be the Argentina-Germany favorite that has issues? They might not lose, but, you know, they draw, they drop points, they aren't impressive. Or are they going to be the England-Spain favorites that pass their first test with flying colors? Interesting one because if you believe Cameroon is solid and you you can we'll see um three tough teams in the group but three teams you should all take care of yeah. but in the first game you don't really like it's not like um france playing australia or spain playing, playing i should have Costa also Rica. mentioned france in the favorite yeah, no, all, yeah. Well, it's not like those two specifically where those teams are clearly a cut below right. and you're kind of anticipating listen if we stick to our game plan and put one in it's a cakewalk Serbia are solid, so yeah. I can see Brazil having to work for it a little bit harder, or maybe like in a cagey game, not wanting to 
get caught expose out. Expose themselves too much. That being said, I think Serbia are just a step slow around the pitch, and Brazil can kind of have their way with them. I'd be shocked uh, if they don't win by two, even one. Like because as we learn, they're gonna they're not gonna score one and such uh like shut stop scoring unless it's like they have to really labor for the last yeah. goal by the end. So I I think Brazil is gonna be much more in the Spain England, but listen, Serbia is much better than Costa Rica or Australia. I think and maybe Iran. I don't know. Yeah, I think. Brazil are going to be in that Spain-England category, but not necessarily as impressive from a scoreline perspective. I think we're probably looking at a pretty typical Brazil match, which is score early and score late. They'll score one early, first 15, 20 minutes. That will get them comfortable. They'll allow Serbia to try and come at them, and then they'll be able to hit out, and they'll put this game away late. Two, three nil for Brazil. Maybe Serbia get one at some point. Obviously, there is talent. Milinkovic-Savic, Mitrovic. Brazil's defense is pretty well equipped to handle a player like Mitrovic. I think like, I don't think he's the type of player that's going to be able to give that back line a lot of issues. So I feel pretty confident about Brazil going yeah. into tomorrow's game, but I'm with you. I no, feel pretty I, confident I, about Argentina going into the yeah. Saudi Arabia game, obviously. So yeah. Yeah. I think one thing that helps Brazil that we mentioned the first time we talked about them is Casemiro's in the squad yep. and he just makes them really hard to build against in open play. Like you yep. just, it's really hard to create chances against them. Um, and then whichever center backs they roll out. Uh, I don't know if it'll be Marquinhos and Militao, or maybe that'll be uh, some others. They're, they're all very good. They're all very like, it's just hard to go through the middle against this team. So like what's Serbia's game plan that you're going to play into Mitrovic and hope that, you get some runners in on hold-up play. Sure, but Brazil are very well-equipped just for this type of game. Yeah. All right, let's close, as we kind of seemingly always do, with one kind of big theme that we've seen. And I like this one that you came up with here today, Amit. Managers at the World Cup, they've had a really big impact on what we've seen so far. Like, we've seen halftime adjustments that have worked, and we've seen teams not adjust and, you know, have that go against them, right? We saw halftime adjustments from Saudi Arabia, from Japan, from Wales that all resulted in positive results for them. And we saw maybe a lack of adjustment from a team like the U.S. men's national team, some of the other teams that we've seen. Managers still really matter in the international game. Yeah, I mean, I think they do. And I I think even Wales, you want to throw in the good category. I, we debated, was it as simple as Kiefer Moore? Was it the whole team? A little bit of both, but right. I think it was really well done from them. Japan's manager, say, I mean, you, you talked about them. Um, and I, I think this Belgium-Canada game, I don't want to give it, uh, Martinez credit, but Herdman gave his team the best chance to win. Right. Like I think that was evidence of really good managing from a team sure. that still on paper was an underdog. Um, it's... It's going to matter, and I think it's magnified on this stage, right? Halftime, it just feels like if you don't get in up to, anything is possible, right? Yep. You have to take advantage. When you're playing well and creating opportunities, you have to take advantage of those opportunities because a game can change. And with five substitutions, there's that many more opportunities to change a game and to get new players on. And it favors, obviously, the deep teams, and it favors the managers who have that array of options to be able to change the game. Yeah. I think understanding 
the flow of the game, the flow of the group, and what you need at any given moment is a really fine line um, to do. And I'm not saying it takes experience to have done it, but it's really interesting in terms of like uh, game theory, a thing that we both like and I'm particularly into, right? Because soccer is much more than that. It's a totally chaotic game. But in terms of like, as a manager, what are your ways to impact the game? Like the ones that are actively going out and try to change it versus the others who are like, I'm just going to put my guys on the field and they're going to take care of business. Like, which works sometimes totally, but um, it's been a really interesting case study. And I think the way teams are approaching these second halves and what they need for their team to advance is fascinating. This Germany Spain game is just awesome. Like, Hansi Flick versus Luis Enrique, two guys that are as close to ideologues as you can get in this game. Like, how practical are they going to have to be in terms of what they need? And I obviously the pressure's on Flick in Germany, but like, <laughs> Enrique is a madman. So, like, it's going to lead to fireworks. I'm all in on Luis Enrique, man. Yes, yeah, of course. How could you he's not totally be? totally crazy. How could you not be with what we've seen from him so far? All right, great show today. Not sure if there will be a show tomorrow. It's Thanksgiving. There's football of both kinds. There's turkey, tryptophan, might be some early sleeps. We'll see. If the conditions warrant, there will be a show. If they don't, we might wait until Friday. Ronaldo's going to score his hat trick, whether you like it or not. We don't need to have a show about it because we already know what's going to happen. Right? Right. Yeah. 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 I (laughs) – if Ronaldo scores a hat trick and gets sent off though, and wow. then and storms uh, off and then just keeps going, I might need to just have a victory lap. Sure, fair. All right, fair <laughs> enough. I'll see you tomorrow then when that happens. <laughs> this has been the World Cup After Dark. Thanks for listening. We will catch you guys soon.